Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Chris Soleri, Lansing State Journal, in a few moments. He is in San Antonio still after Villanova beat Michigan in the championship game last night. But first, our play-by-play call today, our old friend Kevin Kugler with the final call for Nova. DiVincenzo will walk it up. Now everybody's starting to stand. Both sides trying to rally their team. DiVincenzo launching a three. Good! Oh, what a gut punch from Dante DiVincenzo. The Michigan fans sit back down. 59-44, the hero of the day, Dante DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo walking it up. Five seconds, four seconds. That's going to do it. Michigan ran into a supernova tonight for the second time in three years. Nova is number one. Villanova, your 2018 national champions. Kevin Kugler called Westwood one, not only a supernova last night, but it was Dante's Inferno. He just rained in threes last night. Michigan got to within 12, and he knocked down back-to-back shots and ended it. Any thought that they had of coming back, he stopped it in its tracks. He had 31 last night, a career high for Dante DiVincenzo. All right, Chris Soleri was there last night, Lansing State Journal. Chris, always great to have you with us. Yeah, good to join you guys. How are you doing today? Doing well. All right. Um, I had said yesterday to somebody that asked me about Villanova, Michigan, I said, here's the problem. I said, Michigan's going to need at least 75 to win. They can't get there. Um, that's unusual for to say about a Michigan team. What did you think watching it last night? Yeah, I, I, Villanova's just so deep. I mean, you know, you saw that they shut down Jalen Brunson, and I think it was the first time in 45 games he hadn't reached double digits in scoring. Right. But they've got the sixth man coming off the fence, and DiVincenzo is playing above the rim, shooting from outside, had no counter that. I mean, you know, I, I think this, that Michigan team was just, it, it, it was not as deep as the Villanova team. I think that's that's one thing. But I, I thought Villanova made some great adjustments on Bogner after the first maybe nine minutes of the game. I mean, he, he had 11 points in the first nine minutes, and then they held him scoreless for the rest of the half, and I think he only finished with 16. So, I mean, when Michigan doesn't get scoring from Bogger and when he didn't get scoring from Charles Maps like they did throughout the whole tournament, um, they just they struggle to find offensive answers. And I mean, you know, it, it, it probably went a little bit. I, I had it, it take at ten. I figured Villanova. I mean, they, they did a good job early defensively. Uh, Michigan did on them, but you know, once they caught rhythm, once Stephen Chendo's heated up, uh, there, there was no way Michigan was going to stop that train. Obviously, Jay Wright went through a, a streak, well, it was one season, but six years ago, he was 13 and 19. And then yeah. he changed a little bit. You know, I mean, you know, he got into a Final Four in nine, but six years ago, he was 13 and 19. So he felt like he had to make changes. What's it like watching a team, Chris, that can put five three-point shooters on the floor at the same time? 
squad. I mean, we've seen it at times with that Michigan team, that, that Michigan program that D-line has. Maybe not uh, at this one. I think Xavier Simpson maybe is a weak link in terms of being able to hit outside, but he creates so many things for other guys, different kind of point guards than they've uh, D-line has previously had. But, boy, I mean, you know, Bridges can step out. Pascal, Pascal has great time. And I, I thought that, that he was a difference maker in that first night. Uh, against Kansas, and you know he hit a couple against Michigan. I mean, it seems like whenever they had guys that would score, it wasn't like Villanova was scoring a random bucket here and there from different guys. Those guys would get in a rhythm. They would get two or three buckets, and then pass the torch to the next guy, and that's hard to overcome. And you know, I think Pascal in particular, there was he hit a three from the corner and then drove to the bucket uh, around Wagner and the next guy. I mean, how do you defend that? I mean, how do you defend that when? When you've got a six-eight guy or, or so that, that steps out like that and drives to the basket, well, Michigan, you know, Michigan got used to that with Wagner in, in, at six eleven, but uh, without Wagner, they don't have that other guy to do that. But it just seems like they brought waves off the bench uh, for Villanova to, in, in that game yesterday. Which then brings us to the next part: an area where John Beeline and Michigan have received a lot of credit this year is that. We all know that John offensively is brilliant. He has options off of options, and that's one of the reasons why he rarely calls timeouts during the game because he is always thinking about that. But it was their defense that made such a big difference for them this year. Now let's flip it to the other side. We always talk about Villanova's offense and the threes. What did you think of Villanova's defense? I thought Villanova's defense, like after that first nine minutes, really ratcheted it up. You know, I think. I think there was maybe a little bit of, I don't want to say gear and headlights, because I, I think that's too experienced of a team and you know guys that have been on that stage. But I think some of the things that Michigan was doing maybe caught them off guard in game speed. And, and that's, a, you know, both of those teams are tough one-day prep teams, uh, I think. Yes. But once they did make those adjustments, probably, like I said, around that 10-minute mark, 11-minute mark uh, of the first half, uh, Michigan couldn't get into any of their sets. And Beeline talked about that after the game. They were, their defense was blowing up their acts and trying to get Wagner free, get him some, get him looks off the dribble, get him. And, and they were in their grill. Um, you know, they, the guards got pushed out. They they couldn't swing the ball like Michigan teams usually do. Um, that length and, and athleticism of Villanova cut passing lanes off. And you, you know, it's amazing because Michigan had been such a good ball moving team all. Maybe all throughout the Big Ten tournament, all throughout uh, that big run that they've made um, from maybe like early February on, uh, but they couldn't do it. You know, when you can't move the ball, you watch their offense all of a sudden start to stagnate. Um, you know, what it reminded me of is when Michigan State this year would go into funks like that, and that was, we hadn't seen that from from this Michigan team. Uh, in months, uh, but but that's what happens when you play a quality opponent like that. How fascinated were you by by the sister Jean angle on the Final Four? You know, I, I got to sit in on the press conference, um, which was pretty amazing. You know, they they put together a, a a ramp to get her up on her wheelchair, and you know, from what I understand, I mean, she just recently, not too long ago, had a fall that required her to to get in a wheelchair. She's been pretty up and mobile. I mean, for a ninety eight year old, she's She's certainly intuitive and insightful. Um, I, I, it, you know, it's the, the way March Madness gets. You know, you always see something like that that just gets overplayed and beaten into the ground. But this was at least one thing where you could you could look at it and you could see the good, and you know, you could see the the fact that 
not just those players, uh, but that whole Loyola community uh, rallied around her and, and and trust her as kind of their 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 emotional and spiritual center. I, I read that she lives in the dorms with the kids still. So I mean, she's an integral part of that university, and it was you know having known Drew Valentine uh, for a number of years, one of their assistant coaches. Uh, he said that when when he was interviewing last last Memorial Day that she met her or she or she met with him and started talking some X's and O's. So I mean, yeah. she is a sharp, sharp lady. I mean, it it was neat. It was a neat story to to kind of get us through the the early part of that tournament and even down to the final fourth. I mean, as as good as that Loyola story was in itself. I mean, that really added some heart to it. And you've got eighteen to twenty two year olds from all different backgrounds. After every game, they go up and hug her. You know what really impressed me is that I saw the Michigan players do that after the yeah. semifinal game. That showed me something. Yeah, it really did. I mean, that John Beeline is a class guy, and he, yes. his players are class guys too. I think that's uh, you know that's been evident for a number of years. But that was a special moment. I think Jordan Poole I saw a picture of him going up and giving her a hug. I mean, you know that she she's talked about that uh, during her her little media availability, which really stunned her that she actually had a room full of reporters wanting to talk to her. Um, but but um, you know she wants she. She wants to root a little harder for Loyola, but she also doesn't want to see anybody get injured, and she wants the other team to do well as well. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's what sports is supposed to be about. Chris, it's going to be interesting now to see, because uh, I think most people expect Wagner to, to, to get get himself out there. Uh, Rockman, of course, will be gone. Bridges and uh, and uh, Jackson both uh, uh, have done the expected. They're going out. Tony Carr is. Corey Sanders is. Jackson at Maryland is. Four senior starters at Purdue, of course, have to. Uh, how different could the league be next year, or do you think it's the pecking order is still relatively close? Well, I, you know, we saw you know for, it was top heavy this year. I think it's you know it's probably going to be top heavy, but it's going to be a different feel with all the, that talent on. You know, you replace it, but I, I don't necessarily know if you have that kind of star power right now uh, with the guys that are leaving. I mean, you know, Corey Sanders made Rutgers relevant. I mean, they were they were a tough, that's right, tough draw anytime they play. I mean, Tony Carr was, was kind of a such a glue guy when he was on the court for Penn State, and you know they had a lot of talent around them. Uh, but um, you know that that's another guy that that really was kind of the engine for, for a team. And you lose Bridges and Jackson at Michigan State, maybe Nick Ward. Um, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of production yeah. for, for Michigan State to lose. But, I mean, you're talking about a program that replaces kids with five-star kids. And I think Beeline has the best class coming in recruiting-wise, um, a deep group. Um, you know, they'll likely lose Wagner. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Charles Matthews' decision is now coming out of this tournament run that, that maybe his stock is as high as it ever has been. Maybe kind of Kind of reminds me a little maybe of uh, Glenn Robinson a couple years ago uh, when he had to make the choice. So uh, you know it's it's going to be a different different vibe. Uh, but you know maybe that'll allow some of the other teams like Penn State uh, with most of the core intact, or or even in Nebraska that snuck up this year to kind of kind of sneak back into that. You know go from the the five six you know in that range all the way up to to the Big Ten championship, but so hard to tell because I think there's still going to be a lot of movement, especially now with all the grad transfers. That should change Yes, everything. that changes everything. I mean, that's your waiver yeah. wire. I mean, that's a, that's, it it's a waiver wire. One final, question, yeah, one final question before I let you go. If I were to sit you down in front of the Rice Commission, 
What would be a couple of elements that you would stress to them about college basketball and about student athletes? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, if I can't get rid of the block charge rule, which I think you and I, you and I feel the same with the block charge thing. I'm sick of Listen, it. Listen, there there are plenty of offensive fouls on the books that you can get rid of guys just standing around being unathletic and rewarded for yeah, that. Right. But that's neither here nor there. We're, we're, this is a bigger, bigger deal. I mean, that's right. The grad transfer thing, I think, is a big thing because it is like an open market right now. Um, I, I don't like the idea of of you know, restriction-free transfers, because uh, that will ultimately change the the entire uh, construct of college athletics. I don't mm-hmm. think that, you don't think you can do that in just college basketball without having that have a trickle-down effect into every other sport and every other school and every other program. Um, you know, I, there there are so many things. You know, I, I think you gotta do something. You have to work in concert with the NBA to get rid of this one and done. And, and I, I've always been a proponent and believer of the baseball rule that let these guys go play in the D League, let them go play overseas, let them go play in the NBA out of high school if they want. But if you sign in that, a letter of intent, um, that should be bound for two to three years uh, at least. I mean, it works so well in baseball. You know, guys get on campus, you know, you can redshirt a year, and then you can leave after your, your third year as a redshirt sophomore or you can play three years and leave after your junior year, test the process. Maybe it's a, it's a situation where college basketball takes, takes the baseball model, lets these guys get drafted. If they don't come to a term, they come back. Or even a hockey model where you can be drafted and your rights are retained. Um, the only difference in those sports is that there are far more guys that proliferate systems. So right. this, is, this is a challenging thing. I mean, Mark Emmer talked a lot about that this week. Um, it, 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 or last week now um, here in San Antonio, but um, I, I think that they're expecting to have their findings and and their recommendations done. Uh, I think the end of this month, uh, around, somewhere around April 24th. So um, there's much smarter people than me on that commission. That's for sure. Well, but, I know that, but I think those are some of the those are some of the wow. I know that with me. Pretty given. <laughs> I know with I know that with me. I mean, you're smarter than I am, so <laughs> believe me. Well, like I, but like I said, I think there just needs to be some more uniformity to, to yeah. what is going on here, and you know, the, the NBA needs to get on board with this as well because you know the players' union is, is seeing guys that that just basically go to college just to play basketball and don't even finish a year of college. They're not even one and done. I mean, let's right. face it; these guys once they get to the end of their their freshman year, bounce from classes. Uh, they're not going right. to get an education, and that's got to be a component that everybody wants. The NBA needs those kind of guys, right? Well, and, you know, look, biggest element: two words. Come up with something that has some common sense. Yeah, I mean, look at Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's about to get his degree yeah. in three years, three years, and you know he could have been a, he could have been a one and done or two and done guy, right? You know, and but of course now he's also eligible to grad transfer, but. Right. I'm thinking he's going to grad transfer to the uh, the, the pay level rather than the uh, <laughs> he's, he's rather gonna, than the he's under gonna, the table level. He's going to go from the Nova four letter level to <laughs> the three letter <laughs> level. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right, Chris. Thanks so much. It's always great talking with you. Appreciate the perspective yeah, on thanks everything. Thanks. All right. Take care. Have a great summer. If we don't talk to you, I always enjoy talking to Chris Solari. Great guy. Very informed. Smart. We will take a break. And uh, don't forget uh, the after show today. Some intriguing stuff in the after show where 
Asu will explain how he feels about Le'Veon Bell's contract. Do you stay for the after show? Uh... Okay, that answers it. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, you're hearing a lot about, and I, you know, and everyone expected this. I mean, that you would get to the Final Four and you'd hear about all the money that the NCAA is making uh, off the sweat equity of the players. And that's a fact. They are making money off sweat equity, no doubt. But where's the money coming from to pay players? Uh, NJ.com did a great article on this. All right, so let me run down. Here are the 14 schools in the Big Ten. They're athletic departments. Ohio State, total revenue minus subsidy and student fees, $185.3 million. Student fees, zero. Uh, institutional support, about 65000 Big Ten distribution, $33.1 million. Contributions, 37.6. Ticket sales, 61.6. Total expenses, 173.5. Surplus eleven point eight million. Michigan, one hundred eighty five point two million dollars in total revenue. Um, student fees zero. Direct institutional support eleven thousand two hundred twenty. Uh, Big Ten distribution thirty five point three. Contributions thirty eight point one. Ticket sales fifty five point three million. Total expenses one hundred seventy five point four million. Surplus nine point eight. Okay. Michigan State, $125.6 million. Student fee zero. Direct institutional support, 452000 Big Ten distribution, 32.9. Contributions, 31.9. Ticket sales, $26.8 million. Total expenses, $117.5 million, surplus $8.1 million. Okay, so so far everybody's in the black. Nebraska, $120 million total revenue. Student fee zero. Direct institutional support, zero. Big Ten distribution, 24.7. Contributions, 26.4. Ticket sales, 37.3 million. Total expenses, 112.6 million. Surplus, 7.6 million. Penn State, total revenue, 144 million. Student fee, zero. Direct institutional support, zero. Big Ten contributions, 31.5 million. Contributions thirty point eight million. Ticket sales thirty five point five million. Expenses one thirty eight point seven million. Surplus five point three million. Right now let's get to Iowa. Iowa surplus one point two million. Indiana surplus seven point three million. Now it turns. Purdue deficit eight hundred sixty eight thousand. Wisconsin deficit five point eight million. Illinois, deficit, $6.8 million. Minnesota, deficit, $6.3 million. Maryland, deficit, $14.5 million. Rutgers, deficit, $14.5 million. So you have eight of the 13, excuse me, eight of the uh, 14 schools in the Big Ten on the plus side. You've got six of the 14 on the negative side. Right? Where's the money? Where's the money coming from? 
Actually, I should say it's six out of 13 lost money. Northwestern's a private school. They don't have to report it. Since 2003-2004, the Rutgers Athletic Department, over the last 14 years, has run a total deficit of $399.3 million. Exactly where's the money to pay players? Where? I don't see money to pay players here. You've got six out of the 13 reporting schools running deficits. There's money to pay players? Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have everybody on board today. I was talking about money before. Eh, we talk about money a fair amount of time here, but you have to. I mean, these are big, big issues that are going on. I mean, if you want, I mean, if you want, we can sit here and talk about, you know, I think this coach should be fired and that coach should be fired. Sure, we could go with the low hanging fruit, but that's not the future of sports. Future of college sports as we know it is the stuff we talk about. Okay? Whether a coach is here, gone, whatever, that's short term stuff. The uh, and that's you know that's that's why you know these are the big questions. The Rice Commission will probably have something available to talk about and discuss by the end of the month. Well, what are they going to propose? It's got to be something that's common sense. Any words? I mean, to, let's be honest about it. I mean, do you often associate the words common sense with the NCAA? Sometimes yes, some and sometimes no. And they've got to come up with a common sense solution to make this work. And there's the money, as I just pointed out in the previous segment, the money's not there. Six out of thirteen. Now remember, Northwestern didn't is a private school; doesn't have to report, and they don't. But six out of the thirteen public institutions in the Big Ten athletic departments lost money last year. They lost money. That's not. I mean, that tells me that the money isn't there to to pay people. Now these numbers, by the way do not include the new TV contracts. So that part, you know, I want you to understand that. So the new Fox, the revamped ESPN contract, the new CBS contract, not in those numbers. 
Now, you expect Maryland and Rutgers to have bigger losses because they are not fully vested yet in in the contracts. This is actually the first time that Nebraska is fully vested in it. First year. And they made money. They made money. But I mean, Wisconsin went to a New Year's Six game and the NCAA Sweet 16 last year. And they lost money. And that's the part where you have to sit back and say, okay, wait a minute, where's the money to pay for all this stuff? Where? You've got contributions, you've got TV contracts, you've got radio contracts, you've got ticket sales and things like that. But again, I want to, I don't want to phrase it as a problem. Phrasing it as a problem is not correct. But you do have the obligation to carry all these other sports. There's an obligation to do it. And, of course, some of them you're obligated by Title IX. Not every school in the conference has baseball. Thirteen do, one doesn't. The one that doesn't, by the way, happens to be Wisconsin. They haven't baseball for years. When Pat Richter was the athletic director, they dropped it. You don't want to get into a spot where you're dropping sports. And some sports have been dropped over time. Not everywhere, but in some places. UCLA dropped sports, uh, what, four sports a few years ago, including the gymnastics program. UCLA was like the unofficial feeder for the United States gymnastics team. And... They dropped the sport. Remember when Temple was going to drop seven sports? I mean, that's I mean, that's where it is. That's where it is. And my point is, you know, you have to take a look at this and ask yourself, okay, uh, where's the money? Where where's the money? I. I and to be frank with you, when you really take a long look at it, the money's not there. Yeah, Penn State made a $5 million profit. Yeah, Ohio State made an $11 million, or had surpluses. Not profits, but surpluses. But you've got Purdue losing $800,000. You've got Minnesota losing over a million. You've got Wisconsin losing $5 million. Where is it? Where's the money? I don't see it. Well, you have to take a longer look at all these things to see. Okay, it's great to say, wow, look at all the money they're making out of these football. Well, okay, well, you know, I realize the no, Nebraska, I mean, excuse me, Wisconsin's a great example. They sell out. Wisconsin sells out football, 80,000 ahead. Wisconsin sells out basketball, 17,000 ahead. And they lose more money on wrestling than Penn State does. I mean, here's I mean, here here's some of the issues that come into play. 
They lose more money on wrestling than Penn State does. They lose more money on women's hockey than Penn State does. I mean, there. I mean, there are some of the issues. Now, part of it is how much you're spending too. But these are the the. I mean, these are the issues of the day. It is one thing to sit there and say, "Look at all the money." I mean, what is? Somebody said, you know, it's, I think somebody said to me, what, what is a Saquon Barkley worth to the university? I'm like, holy mackerel, geez, that's a good question. I don't know. What is he worth? But then I had somebody ask me, well, what, you know, what's Zane Rutherford and Jason Dolph worth? And I looked at him, I said, look, you got to be, I said, you have to have an honest answer about this. I said, Performance-wise, they're worth everything to them winning a championship. Financially, no. Now, you got to be frank about it. If you don't, if you don't have, if you, you've got to take emotion out of it, you have to when you have these discussions. And there's a reason why you have to take the emotion out of it. The reason you have to take the emotion out of it is you can't have a realistic conversation with emotion in it. You can't. So Saquon Barkley, what was he worth? Well, he was worth a lot to Penn State winning. More people went because they were winning and so forth. But it's also a team game, and Trace McSorley contributed, and the defense contributed. And that makes a difference. Okay, fine. I mean, but, for example, Jason Nolf and Zane Rutherford. All right, what are they worth? Now, to you as a wrestling fan, they're worth a lot. What are they worth in terms of what, the, what do they mean to the economic well-being of the athletic department? Zero. I mean... I mean, there's a fact of life out there. You could run out 10 people in the radio station and lose money. Right? Now, what do they mean to the winning? What do they mean to the excitement? What do they mean to... I mean, they have tremendous meaning when it comes to that. But when it comes to making the athletic department money, no. Yet, if they were allowed to have their likeness used... Zane Rutherford, uh, Jason Nolf, a Bo Nickel. There'd be a lot of people in Pennsylvania interested in using their likeness in an ad, having their name attached to their business. Now, that's worth something. Because we keep talking about football and basketball players. Any any student athlete, I think, should be allowed to use their likeness or go to an, uh, an autograph show or whatever. I'll tell you the point where I really felt that the NCAA got a little cocky and overstepped itself. And that was when they did the EA sports game. That's when I thought that like, I sat back and said, I don't know, this doesn't seem right. Now to a player, most players look at the EA sports game and what's the first thing they say to each other? I mean, what do you think they say, Sean? Hey, look at check it out. I'm in a video game. Yeah, this is cool. Right. Right. They didn't sit there and go, oh, I'm not getting any money for this. They were like, hey, check it out. I'm in the game. 
right? They loved it, right? Well, at some point, somebody points out that, they, you know, I remember, I don't, because you know me, I don't play, we talked about this before, about playing video games. And, of course, I don't play video games. Never have. But I remember seeing a commercial for, it was Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde. Well, I know what Braxton Miller looks like, and I know what Carlos Hyde looks like. There's no mystery as to who number five for Ohio State happened to be and who number 34 happened to be. You knew that was Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde. And, of course, it's in the game. I'm like, okay, cool. And then they tried to get around it by just having the game and then talking about it. And here's number 13, back to pass. All right, great. So the people that made money off the game were the announcers, the creators at EA Sports, and the NCAA. Now, I believe that in the settlement, I believe a lot of people got pennies. They didn't get much of anything financially out of it. But you got to come up with a common sense solution here. But the common sense solution has to include the university not paying them. Okay, their their part is you're going to school here, and so your tuition is being paid for, and we're paying for it. There's a financial transaction that takes place. You also get your books, and you get your room, and you get all your meals. We take care of that, and we give you a stipend every month, 12 months out of the year. Okay, that's our part of it. Right Now you have to open the door to then let them have an opportunity to capitalize. Now, is uh, will a player, let's pick somebody here. Uh, let's pick Robert Windsor. Okay. Last year, backup defensive tackle. Now, is he going to be able, in all likelihood, to realistically capitalize on his likeness? Well, no, at least he hasn't been a starter to this point. So the door is not, you know, and and his boat is the same as virtually everybody else on the team. Now, a Barkley, a Kasicki, maybe a McSorley, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Tony Carr probably could have, maybe Lamar. And then you look at the wrestling team, the five wrestling champions, I think all you know, all would have a chance to capitalize on their likeness. I think that all five of them would. Because this would not just be for football and men's basketball players. You have to make it open to everybody. Uh, Agunga Wally from Notre Dame, she'd be able to capitalize on it. She's only a junior. You know, she had the winning shot against UConn, hit the winning shot against Mississippi State. There's probably somebody in South Bend who would like, hey, would like to have her be the person that endorses their 7-Eleven, I don't know, or a car dealership. I mean, let them have the opportunity. And I'm also, I'm, I'd am i also like to at least have a discussion about the pros and cons of letting them have agents to help them with handling finances. I also think that, you know, again, my my only problem with Tony Carr, for example, hiring an agent, is what if Tony gets hurt at the combine? What if he gets hurt at the combine? He's now, he can't come back to Penn State. See, I think he took that option off the table. I'll be frank with you. 
I did the I did the especially the last half of the season knowing that Tony Carr was going pro. So I understood that. I knew he was going pro and I look, I want the best for anybody. I hope Tony makes millions. I want Tony Carr to make millions and be successful. We've had some laughs. I think he's a great guy. Hold on. I mean, I want and a heck of a basketball player. I hope he does great. My only advice would have been to him, and it still is to this day, is don't hire an agent just in case something happens. Just in case. Just give yourself just a little bit of an insurance policy. Because I think whatever whatever performance evaluation he gets, he's going. So there's no doubt in my mind that no matter what the performance evaluation was, he was going to go. My only thought is, hey, Tony, what happens if you get banged up and you get hurt and suddenly they're looking at you saying, uh, no, you can't play. Now you can go back to school and so forth. Which then brings up the point that I've felt for a long time and Steve Kerr perfectly articulated. If you don't like where you're drafted or you go undrafted, you can go back to school. I think that's something that needs to be worked out among all the parties. I think you know, I think they should allow the NBA, the NBA Players Association, and the NCAA. Right? Yeah, is it collusion? Yeah, but guess what? It's 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 reasonable to have them all sit down at the same table. The NBA should drop one and done. They should let players go from high school straight in. I know that means now they got to go through the pain. Of scouting high schools, but you know, guess what? You know, you can't have everything your own way all the time. And I also think that if a player goes undrafted, they they should be allowed to in football and basketball to go back to school. I also think if a player gets drafted, doesn't like their draft spot, and thinks they can improve their lot in life, they should be allowed to go back to school. But the NBA or NFL team should be allowed to retain their rights for 364 days until the next draft and have the right of first refusal on signing them before going into the draft again. And I think some common sense needs And not one of these proposals says that athletic departments have to pay them or universities have to pay them. They are not university employees. They are students. But give them the opportunity to make some money off what they do. That's fine. All right. Come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years.
All right, great to have you with us. And uh, great to have you with us on the show. Uh, Penn State basketball, 30th in the final USA Today coaches poll, 19 Ken Palm ratings, 20 in the ESPN BPI. Um, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how they play this out. I mean, I'm going to obviously see everybody. Um, on Friday night, because the basketball banquet, when your season goes as long as Penn State's did, the basketball banquet a- happens eight days after the season ends. <laughs> Not bad. Nice when you can have it in April. <laughs> well, they had; they always have it in April. But fortunately, they had it in April. And... A little later than normal in April. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's next Friday night. Actually, what I'm saying is this Friday night. Again, the only thing about the Tony Carr thing is I absolutely am thrilled for him doing this and really support what he's doing. But I at least would have kept in the possibility of injury at Combine. There's no agent. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.